from Redbeard, and we have an exciting panel today where we're going to be discussing the advancements in AI, which is impacting both robotics and automation. So before I get started, I'd love to do some introductions. So Ami, if you want to go ahead, talk a little bit about yourself and your company. Sure. Well, thank you, Elena. Um, excited to be here. Uh, always uh, happy to talk about robotics and AI. Um, so my name is Amit Moran. I'm co-founder uh, at uh, Indoor Robotics. Um, we are uh, developing uh, indoor uh, monitoring solutions using uh, autonomous drones and AI for security and safety. So basically um, installing uh, uh, our uh, drones in, in inside facilities, warehouses, data centers, office okay. spaces. Um, while they are there, they're kind of a security camera. And after hours, they are uh, detaching and patrolling the environment uh, and providing insights. Uh, if it is to detect uh, doors which are open or fire uh, hazards and uh, stuff like that. Um, so that's me. Awesome. And Gulam, if you want to go ahead. Yeah, so uh, my name is Guillaume. I'm the founder and CEO of Hermes Robotics. Uh, thank you for having me today here. Um, so Hermes develops a kit that enables us to retrofit vehicles into low-speed self-driving cars. And what is unique about our technology is that we don't need to rely on a manufacturer or on a car manufacturer to make a vehicle autonomous. So we plug mechanical uh, actuators on the vehicle and make it drive itself as if a driver was in place. And what that means is that we are not dependent on the make model here of vehicle to make them autonomous. Um, the only limitation is in terms of speed. And so uh, right now we have mostly applied this technology to parking lot sweeping. <laughs> so we're driving a pretty fine path on parking lots uh, in the middle of the night with driverless sweepers and it does a good job. And most recently, uh, we've had the opportunity to start working in the defense uh, domain uh, where this could be applied to potentially a uh, much larger number of units uh, on shorter time frames. So potentially some, uh, some interesting developments for us. So, yep, this is us. Awesome. I've actually recently uh, driven in a Waymo which was the craziest experience. You're really on the passenger side of the car and it's driving itself around. And I think it's just such an interesting space. And I think we're seeing more and more companies kind of pop up that's gonna make the ability to be able to drive around, not just obviously trucks that you guys are working on in defense, but also a car. And instead of having an Uber driver come, you're really just gonna be going ahead and going into a driverless car. So I think it's an exciting space. And for anybody who hasn't been able to drive in a Waymo, I think you have to try it because it's such an awesome experience. But I'm gonna start- It's absolutely freeing, yes. I mean, uh, it feels so safe. And uh, yeah. the vehicle have reflexes that even some human wouldn't have. It's there. I mean, Remo, when they're saying that they're building the best driver in the world, I think they're not far from that. And so we can see those vehicles all around San Francisco now. And they even got the approval to go on the freeways pretty recently. So they have a huge zone where they can go. And yeah, it's, it's really, really impressive. And I think it's getting people off of that hurdle where it's you start off and you're really scared and you're like, what's going to happen? I remember I was taking a video my first time kind of holding on a little, but then it's once people actually do it, it's like, okay, you actually feel safe. And obviously there's going to be some bugs and hip stuff. <clears throat> was one day when I took it and it was raining. But apart from that, I mean, it was a crazy experience. So you mentioned you guys are already 
out and about and getting into defense. So where are you at where it's going to be kind of commercialized and it's going to be in all the trucks nationwide? Like how many years do you think we're out from that? So, I mean, it depends on the scope of work. Uh, so um, obviously what we're trying to do with defense is much different than uh, what Waymo is trying to address, where they are trying to have a vehicle deployed 24 hours uh, a day, seven days a week in every condition, uh, in every, I mean, kind of weather. Uh, for defense, uh, our use cases are uh, well constrained and uh, we want, for instance, to do a demining operation. We want to do some things like breaching. Uh, so uh, those are more constrained problem. And with what we have, I, I believe that in the next 12 months, we could have, uh, I mean, those vehicles deployed and actually doing something, something great. Uh, we actually are uh, already at a level where we can commercialize uh, and do some first, um, I mean, capture a lot of value already uh, in this field. So cool yeah awesome and i want to just go back i mean i'm going to go to you for a second because i think it's really interesting that you have this drones it's collecting all of this information so how does the system really ensure safety and reliability during operations sure so um there are different aspects of that but um uh, how we built the system is that we had safety in mind first. So, I, uh, you know, it takes uh, quite a lot of time to build stuff like that. Um, so there are different aspects. One of them is about uh, understanding its own sensors. So we are co constantly monitoring our own sensors, our own motors, uh, making sure that everything is, is safe. And if there is the slightest issue, you know, um, the device is basically uh, lands and, and alerts. And uh, the second part is really understanding the environment. And uh, this is really, um, I think, the, the advancements. Uh, recently, this is the most interesting part, is understanding what's going on around the drone. If it is obstacles around it, if it is uh, a safety hazard, like fire, that can also, also be uh, hazardous for the drone itself. So... Um, and we're using different sensors. We're using cameras. We have 360 cameras, also looking up, looking down, looking all over, and also um, looking at around the drone to be able to understand what's going on. And uh, so this is basically what the drone is doing while it's monitoring. And when uh, it's also for its own uh, uh, safety and also for the safety of the environment. So we are using you know, computer vision algorithms um, you know, to understand uh, the different uh, um, the different things that the drone is seeing, and then we alert the users. Uh, it can be via you know, SMS, emails, or integrating directly to the alarm systems uh, to um, to alert if there is an issue, like a fire or just a hazard. And what has the percent of accuracy been between those alerts of letting people know versus what's actually happening in the building? Yeah. So now I'm very happy to say that we're about 99%. Um, wow. Yeah, that's... Well, very reliable. If there is a slightest, um, um, so we are really, really, really um, looking at uh, maximizing the true positive and minimizing the false positive. Um, so this is what we're looking. We're not looking at detecting many, many um, um, anomalies or hazards. We're just looking to do what we need, what we need to do to do to do it really good. Yeah, and how many buildings are you guys currently in and currently manufactured and sold? 
Yeah, so we are about, so we have like dozens of uh, installations here in US and Canada. Uh, we have some also in Israel and Europe, but uh, our main focus is here. Awesome. All right, so now I'm going to switch a little bit because obviously the big topic is AI. And I think you guys are obviously using AI technology in terms of both the indoor robotics and obviously in the trucks today. So how has the evolution of AI over the past few years really affected your businesses? Uh, GM, I'll start with you. So <clears throat> I think that there has been a lot of evolution around uh, deep learning, uh, computer vision, uh, that have been really, really beneficial. And in addition to that, what I also want to add is not just AI, but um, in robotics, the open source community has also developed a lot of tools and middleware, such as ROS, um, that save a lot of time for companies. So instead of uh, starting from scratch to do a new, de uh, new deployment, a new development, uh, you actually have a lot of tools already available. Uh, and so the cycles are much, much faster uh, because of that. Um, so uh, yeah, this is for me, uh, the main things that have um, accelerated the cycles uh, in robotics. Recently. And given that it's all kind of open source, is that hard to differentiate your product or offering versus another? <clears throat> That's a very good question. So. I think the open source um, development can provide um, something to do a quick prototype, but what you're going to have is not something production grade. So is the, the system going to be safe? Uh, are you going to have a, per a system that is perfectly adapted to your use case? Absolutely not. So if you want a system that is perfectly safe, uh, you need to adapt uh, or rewrite some part of the code. Uh, if uh, you want a system that is perfectly fitted to your use case, uh, you're going to, uh, to to do some additional development. So um, even with the spaces, 90% uh, of the work, or even more, <laughs> is yeah. still to do. Um, but it, it's still a very good thing because without those first 10%, um, I mean, it's very hard to start and to be able to show some first results. So capturing some initial value and then going forward, that's, that's really good. And do you see the future where it's still going to be this open source? Or do you think, given that AI is still very early on, it's open source, but in the next five to 10 years, it won't be the same way? So uh, that, that's an interesting question, too. Um, I think um, everyone working uh, in isolation on their own problems um, uh, it can work to some extent, but if you want um, all the community to progress uh, faster together, uh, everyone needs to benefit from some of the research uh, of everyone. And mm -hmm. so having at least uh, some things uh, open sourced uh, can definitely help everyone uh, going faster. So um, Let's take a look at what's happening with the LLMs now, uh, large language models. Uh, a lot of those large language models are open sourced. Um, a lot of what uh, Facebook is doing with AI is open sourced uh, and everyone can benefit from it. And because something has been open sourced, someone is going to be on top and someone else is going to be on top. And so 
all of this together make that everyone just goes much, much faster. And so they can take the most relevant parts of this open source community developments and apply them to their specific problems. So yeah, definitely in the next five years, I think given the, the momentum that we see, given all the benefits that we can see from it, uh, I, I, I hope it's going to stay the same. Uh, I hope it's going to stay as open and uh, people are going to keep working together and uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, everything's going to be open. So, I mean, a lot of work is going to be open source. Yeah, and I'm going to throw it over to me, but I just want to let you know your headphones have a little bit of backlog um, yeah. when you're talking to this. I'll let you know. Um, yeah. But I mean, I want to throw it over to you. So, how is AI really affecting um, your company and what you're building at Indoor Robotics? Um, so, first, I agree with everything Guillaume said. Uh, you know, open source and ROS is, is great. And I think, generally speaking, when you look at AI specifically, it's about, I think, taking down the price and performing complex tasks, uh, which previously were practically impossible to do. You know, uh, when you talk about AI, there are different techniques, you know, machine learning, computer vision. Uh, even natural language processing, you know, the, the, the ability to understand what the person is saying and, and to interact. So I think there is so many things going on. Um, taking out the price uh, is important uh, part of it. Uh, before uh, I was working for Intel for the RealSense uh, team, working on, I was leading a robotics team over there. You know, it was also something about taking, you know, 3D vision and, and perception and, you know, taking um, perception to, to the masses. And uh, I think this is something that AI allows us in taking down from very expensive hardware um, to very low-end hardware and do it with, uh, and do stuff which previously were impossible, understanding, interacting, and, and navigating the environment. One of the things that we're doing, and uh, Gil is doing in his, in his part, is being able to navigate in unstructured environments, to understand what robots are seeing and to the, their, their ability to basically go from one place to the other in a very safe manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I think you both mentioned some great examples of understanding the data is going to be super important. And obviously, there's so many different opportunities that are going to open up. So given that a lot of people kind of listening today are more investors and they're looking at this from an investment standpoint, apart from what you both are building, is there anything specific within AI and robotics, whether it's a company or a, a sector that's really exciting to you that you think is really using it in the correct way that could be a potential investment opportunity? Um, from, from my side, I think there are um, very interesting work right now uh, in AI specifically. I know everyone talking about Gen AI, but I think Gen AI is very interesting also for robotics for one for natural interaction and the ability to actually so like chat gpt but you know there are different things like actually understanding you know we're using we're using it to uh, and we're exploring new ways to summarize uh, reports around the days or weeks something which is actually makes sense for the user so we are basically generating uh, reports using that and um, so Really, the, the combination between Gen AI and robotics is something which is very interesting to look at. Mm -hmm. um, also for training data, how we can train new data uh, for visual uh, inspection, how we can create synthetic data using Gen AI uh, for you know places that we cannot collect data. So it's also very uh, interesting uh, things that we can see. 
Mm -hmm. And has there been any companies that you've specifically used that have stuck out to you in this space or just a broad range of within that sector? Uh, from my side, just like looking at we, you know, uh, uh, my company is back uh, is from is from Israel. I'm also leading the robotics uh, Israel uh, community, so I'm looking at a lot of companies over there, and I'm seeing that, and it's like a broad thing. It's not like a specific company. Yep. And what about you, uh, John? So um, I'm I'm excited about humanoid robots. Um, so we've seen uh, large rounds uh, with figure, uh, for instance. Um, Tesla is doing a lot of work on this. And um, so those companies are leveraging um, deep reinforcement learning, imitation learning. Uh, uh, for figure, uh, they are essentially taking uh, a camera feed, RGB, and outputting motion directly. Uh, and this is really, really exciting. Uh, so instead of having to program the whole thing, uh, you just train uh, your robot to do tasks. So this is pretty incredible. Um, and so uh, as time goes, uh, those robots are going to be able to do more and more complex tasks. Uh, they are going to be able to prove uh, that they are safe. Um, so. For me, it's going to be a major breakthrough for manufacturing. Uh, so removing all the potential dangerous jobs, uh, very tedious jobs. Uh, so um, this is probably one of the things that I'm the most excited about. Uh, the second thing uh, that I'm excited about is also uh, multi-agent robotics. Uh, so robotics doing tasks together, uh, coordinating, uh, assigning tasks. I think this is still uh, a pretty much untapped opportunity. We don't see a lot of those, uh, but a lot of research has been done. Uh, and um, yeah, swarming, this kind of thing. Uh, this is really exciting too. <clears throat> I think this goes hand in hand with kind of like, where is the future of work going? Because a lot of these are more of those manual tasks. I mean, for you and me doing indoor robotics, you guys are making drones that offer kind of what a usual security guard or would go in, but it's like ensuring security, safety, even maintenance on a building. And so how do you envision kind of the future of work? Because I think when sometimes, especially like early on, the first thing people think about is it's gonna be taking away these manual positions or these manual tasks that people are doing. So where do you see kind of opportunities lie from a career and from kind of this future of work perspective? Yeah. Um I think that you know robots. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are saying that they're, they're good at doing the dull, dangerous, and, and difficult uh, tasks. And um, you know, I think this is where robots and automation um, is. Uh, it's, it's a prime area. Um, this is what we do. We take a very dull work of patrolling again, again, and again the same the same area, and we do it. We do it better than humans because you know robots are not getting tired or, or looking at YouTube or whatever doing when they're doing their job. Um, you know, people are always will be better uh, about taking this uh, taking this information, being agile, taking decisions, being creative, and uh, and this is where. This is where kind of the, the, the differences should be. And um, I think that I think that yes, robots will change jobs. They will replace it will it will happen. I mean, some people say it won't. It will happen. And it's okay. It's happened in the past in industrial machines. It happened in you know when 
electric light used to be gas, and you know there were people going and light light all the all the street lights, and it changed. And, th and it's okay; things should change. You know, our life is better right now. Um, people should you know companies and um, government should look at reskilling and, and upskilling the, those uh, people and people generally speaking uh, capabilities to do things uh, more high value and creative. And the work should be hand in hand with robots. You know, in our case, we have drones that are patrolling. You have the guards who are actually taking the information, taking the alerts, and do something with it. Uh, it uh, should be in any industry. Yeah, and. Uh Tiam, what about you? Yep, so I'm going to give a very concrete example. Um, so in our case, um, drivers, um, if they do the job manually, drive on a parking lot at five miles per hour for eight hours per night. Wow. So <laughs> um, not a lot of people want to do this kind of job. It's extremely, extremely tedious. And so I think there are just jobs now um, and we, we see it a lot in California that people don't want to do anymore because it's night shifts, because they are too demanding. And so I, I think those jobs are the first ones that are going to be automated. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that um, robots should be seen more as a tool uh, and human augmentation uh, rather than just a replacement in some cases. So, um, I mean, it's always nice to have a wrench to be able to tighten a bolt. Uh, so a robot could just enable you to do tasks that you were not able to do before. Um, and what that means, and I'm going to go where Amit was going to, but maybe we need some reskilling. So maybe some new jobs are going to be created uh, because we have new capabilities. Uh, so, I mean, robot operator. <laughs> Uh, can be a new job. Uh, all the maintenance of uh, those robots uh, can be a new job. So I think um, the future of work is just going to look different uh, with less tedious tasks for people working around those robots, with those robots, and maintaining those robots. Yeah, I was actually in uh, Seattle recently, and there was a coffee shop that was using a robot to go ahead. I know there's one in the SF airport as well, but it was making your coffee. There was somebody standing behind it. And when you were getting like, I think somebody was getting um, the tea that needed those balls in it. The robot really said, add this to the mix. And then the person had to come over and add it. So I think it's still early, but they're still, I think it was way slower than how a person would make one. But I think we will get there and it's going to take time and there is going to need somebody, as you kind of mentioned, to need that maintenance to make sure it's running properly and smoothly because right now at least like robots can't fix robots. And I think it still needs that maintenance, still needs some type of human interaction. Um, but going to my kind of next question that I'm wondering is like, obviously now there's so many companies that are building in this space, building at the intersection of AI and robotics. And both of you have done a great job, obviously, at raising. We've done a syndicate. And so what, uh, from an investor standpoint, do you think they should look for in companies to really look at how they're differentiating themselves? I'll throw it over to you. I mean, you were about to talk, so. Sure. No, no problem. Um, I think that first, a startup is a startup. If it's robotics and not robotics, know that the, the generally speaking, it's it's the same, and they need to be able to evaluate the the founders, the technology, and know clear understanding of the problem. It needs to be something innovative and scalable, and etc. 
specifically in robotics, I think that robotic solutions, at least, you know, they're a work of integration. Uh, people don't like this word, but the work of integration, you integrate so many things. You integrate hardware and software and backend and security and front-end many times, and obviously vision and, and, and algorithm and AI and all of that to a solution. Mm-hmm. And when I look at least at, 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 at startups and our companies are coming to, to ask me, I, I, I'm thinking that the, the main thing is about understanding uh, or trying to evaluate the founders this in early stage if they are agile enough to take decisions to integrate and to iterate quickly through those technologies and not to be hang out to one technology they are creating or or they like so it can be a new AI that comes up or a new hardware solution they need all the time to be able to to be on the top of things to be able to integrate it and to, to do the solution mm-hmm. and what about you uh, John so I think it's really important to pick um, some uh, tasks to be automated uh, that um, fit well the robotics model. And so what that means is uh, those tasks have to be well-defined uh, with low variability and few edge cases. So um, this is the first thing I would be looking at when uh, uh, screening for a robotics company. And also, can the robots be deployed safely? So uh, is it going to be uh, hard to deploy safe, uh, the robot safely? Uh, and how is safely, uh, safety ensured, generally speaking? Um, and another thing would be, um, so if we are replacing a job, do people who do this job today actually want to do it? And do they have fun doing it? Or is it like a tedious job or something people don't want to do? Uh, so that's also pretty important, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to end it with, I know we're coming up on time, but we talked a lot about where we are right now, but thinking about where we're going to be in the next five to 10 years, what do you think is going to be the biggest disruption and change from where we're at today? Well, I think self-learning robots. It's something that uh, uh, where we are looking at. Robots can actually understand better the environment and then and learn how to deal with it without any intervention. Uh, for humans. Yeah. No, that's true. And what about you? Yeah, I I think we're going to see a lot more of humanoid robots, uh, a lot more of self-driving cars all over the place. Uh, And yeah, all of this is enabled by self-learning, as Amit was saying. So yeah, I'm really excited about the future. Uh, Those robotics companies and a lot of robotics companies are going to be I mean, all over the place with those uh, billions of robots, potentially. (laughs) No, I mean, I agree with both of you, and I definitely see that. But I appreciate you guys coming on today and really talking to me. And I think it's a really interesting topic that's just going to continuously be discussed and growing. And I'm excited to follow along on your guys' journey and what you're building. So thanks again for hopping on and appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. This has been a Red Beard Ventures production.